Heyo, welcome in episode 10 of the TFA Dino Show. Tom, we are talking dynasty movers as we've now completed basically one third of our season. And, you know, I just have to kind of start off with a little bit of sadness. I mean, I, I want to pump the show up at the start, but, you know, I'm feeling broken. I'm feeling a little, a little tore up. And you know what, Robbie? I'm going to let you do it. Go ahead and play the sad, sad music. Without you, my friend. And I'll tell you all about it when I see you again. We've Sad music is, is definitely needed. First it was Jarwin week one, and I was like, ah, oh, that kind of stinks. He was a guy I was high on, you know, and projected to be this sleeper tight end. Oh, oh well. And then they just kept dropping like flies, as, as you know as well. I mean, I'm, I'm complaining to a guy who whose team is, is dropping like flies yourself. But, man, it, it just hits differently with Dak, you know, out for the year. Obviously, we all saw – you know how emotional that was, um, not only for for him but for like Cowboys fans and then just fantasy managers, I should say. And I don't know if you have Dak on a lot of rosters, but it's just kind of been chaotic trying to figure out what to, what to do. I don't know if you uh, had to make some moves. Have you done any Dak moves? I haven't. The only one that I, I actually own him in is the you know our Scott Fishbowl team, but it's it's just a mess. I felt horrible for him. Uh, not even fantasy things that didn't even come to, into my mind first. It's you have a QB on a franchise one year quarter or one year deal. So now you don't know what's going to happen to him. Is Dallas going to bring him back? Probably. But if Dallas is bad enough to get a top three pick and they all of a sudden get an opportunity to take quarterback, are you going to take quarterback on a rookie deal and trade Dak away for, let's face it, a King's ransom two first at least it's, it's rough, man. I, I felt bad for Dak more than anything else. Yeah, I, I think you've seen a lot of like questions pop up like, oh, what team should he be best on? I think he should go to the Bears. I think he should go to this team, that team. And, and honestly, if, if you followed the DAC contract negotiations, you really know how close they were to a deal. They just got hung up on four years that DAC wanted and five years that the Cowboys wanted. Like that was the big, at the end of the day, if you want to cut it down, neither side wanted to budge and give that extra year. And so now if we're talking about it's another year, the Cowboys probably don't want to to do that long of a deal anyways if it's someone coming off of this type of injury. And let's not like overblow it. This is an injury that's you know severe, but it's also like it's I, I don't think it's an Achilles. I don't think it's gonna affect him super long term. I don't know if you have different thoughts on that, but I think this is one that you don't need to be worried about for dynasty purpose term. And so I think I think he does remain with the Cowboys. Um, I do think they get a long term deal done. Yeah, uh, it's it's going to be interesting, and the only reason it's the only way it's going to get interesting is if Dallas winds up getting a top five pick and they're in position to take a rookie quarterback, and if they love that rookie quarterback, <laughs> otherwise Dak's going back there. The contract numbers they'll be different than what they were before uh, because he's going to be coming off an injury, uh, and I don't think Dak is going to wind up, you know, doing a, a four or five year deal. He might do a three year deal, something like that, where he can get out of it after two, and you know re-enter the market so to speak but i expect them to wind up being in dallas because i don't think dallas is going to be as horrific uh, you know horrific enough to wind up with a top five pick if they are then then we will see drama 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 
Right. I think I think Leighton Vander Esch coming back uh, here pretty soon is going to be a big uh, boost to that defense, especially stopping the run, which they couldn't do uh, against the Cleveland Browns. Uh, that that's where it really showed. But you know, I, I kind of just jumped into to Dak's sadness. Um, just just want to get the the, the stuff uh, off the top of the show. Uh, give us a follow if you can. We're at ff underscore authority. Tom's at Dynasty Infidel. I'm at NFL Robbie. Like I said at the top, we're kind of going over different movers through five weeks of the season. We're gonna do a couple of mystery players. I've got the stats, and Tom has got the guesses. So that's gonna be an exciting little uh, guessing game for Tom. Um, we're just going to hit them kind of position by position, see how people have moved, you know, just as as we've completely changed what our outlooks were on some players from preseason to now. So, you know, continuing on with that that DAC conversation, Andy Dalton now comes in at the helm. Tom, first for Andy Dalton and then maybe for the rest of the Cowboys, is is this something where you can still, you know, see him getting some value? He He has enough weapons to produce and he can be a viable asset for your team this season. And then who knows, maybe he lands some kind of bridge quarterback situation next year with a rookie coming in maybe he gets a couple starts for you in 2021 is, is Andy Dalton someone you're looking to acquire and then on top of that rest of the pieces how are you feeling about them uh if I lost Dak then um you know I, I'm going after Andy Dalton I'll you know <laughs> listen if you're a contender you're gonna pay you're gonna pay for it you're gonna pay a second you're gonna pay whatever you gotta pay to try and get a QB uh just to replace him as far as the other pieces we saw what you know, Zeke was like, and the offense was like when Dak was a rookie and he was more of a game manager. So I think the offense is still sustainable. They have plenty of weapons, more weapons than Andy Dalton has ever, you know, had in his career. So he doesn't have to do a whole lot. You have a really good slot receiver, CD Lamb. That's going to be basically his his blanket, so to speak. So I think CD is going to see an uptick in fantasy points as opposed to a downtick with Gallup. I think Amari is going to go down a little bit than what he's been how it's been, they're all going to go down a little bit just because it wasn't sustainable with Dak to start with. And now you have a new quarterback, but I think CD is going to benefit the most out of those three quarterbacks, believe it or not, even though he's a rookie, I think Zeke is going to benefit because I think they might lean on the run more. Um, yeah, it's, it's going to be an interesting situation to just to, to watch and see how they, they change the offense because I know McCarthy just wants to throw the damn ball and, I don't know if they're going to be able to do it as efficiently. They're definitely not, but we'll see what McCarthy does. Yeah, unless you ask Booger McFarlane, who thinks the Cowboys will be better with Andy Dalton now at the helm because they will be running and controlling the clock more. So that sounds like a Jason Garrett offense to me, not something I really want to revert back to. So I hope they continue you know, to press the ball downfield uh, with those weapons. And we know Andy Dalton can do that. Accuracy is, is a question mark sometimes, but he hasn't been afraid to take the shots to A.J. Green in the past. Uh, so I think we, we know that that – uh, is still in his capability. Tom, other news, big news that just dropped right before we started recording that Le'Veon Bell uh, is going to Kansas City. He was released by the New York Jets. He is away from Adam Gase. And who does he land with? He lands with Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, Clyde Edwards, Hilaire. And just questions for you. Of For me, real quick, I, th- I think there's tough to find a spot where if someone were to go down, if CEH were to go down, he, he can't have landed in a better spot. But could he have landed in a better spot where there isn't this established young rookie? We're trying to get touches. We're trying to get him involved in the offense and get him going. That's where it kind of gets a little cluttered for me. What are your thoughts on his landing spot? Fantasy wise, I was hoping he would go to Miami because I felt like he would have had more of the you know role there. But I actually really like the landing spot in Kansas City. 
you know, Andy will roll with two running backs if he knows that he can keep them both fresh and they will both get enough work, especially through the passing game. So now you have Bell and you have CEH and they can basically do exactly the same thing. Bell's not what he used to be, but neither was Shady and Shady was pretty efficient with him at times. And you had Damien Williams, who was pretty damn good. And Le'Veon Bell is, I think, better than Damien Williams was. So that's going to be pretty vicious. And Andy Reid, I don't know if you guys know this, but he's kind of creative with his play calling. So I'm actually really excited to see what they do because I I, I can see them both being on the field, Le'Veon going in the slot, and then Tyreek can bump outside. And then all of a sudden, you just you have no idea what's going on. So you you can have you know 30% of your plays where you have Bell, CEH, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek and and Mecole on the outside. That's just that's scary to me. So the rich get richer. It's great for the NFL. It's not great for fantasy because it caps CEH and Le'Veon, but at the same time, I think they're both, you know, RB1 weeks. They're going to have RB1 weeks and they're going to have RB2 weeks and they can both um be top 24 running backs moving forward. Yeah, I think we've seen where especially in the 2 minutes, the 2 minute drill where Kansas City is actually having Daryl Williams out there. And I think that's a, a role that Le'Veon will slide right into. They they don't quite trust CEH quite yet as that full workhorse back. And so I do think that presents a lot of opportunity, you know, just knowing Le'Veon's strength of catching the ball, you know, making plays, making people miss. So um, I think that's something that, you know, it, it can have gotten worse, right? Like we look at last year, he had so much volume last year, but then when Gore comes into the picture and we only saw really two weeks of him and Gore together before Le'Veon. Well, one week before the injury, then one week uh, this past week. And we didn't really see, you know, Le'Veon do too much because I, they're not a good offense. So now we talk about a better offense. If he gets eight to 12 touches, what can he do with those eight to 12 touches as opposed to before when he was getting maybe 16 plus touches, but he's just so much worse of an offense. So I am a little intrigued to see what happens this year. And again, going back to the creativity, let's just think about like the the shuffle passes to Kelsey and just the weird little things that they do in, in Andy Reid offenses that just make everything so unpredictable. So if you have both of those backs out there, you think about some of the plays that, that Andy's run where it's crazy motions and, and everything else with Tyreek, and then you have CEH and, and Bell next to Mahomes, like down near the goal line. It, it's just going to get crazy. Le'Veon Bell's and the other thing, he's going to be a lot more excited than he has the last couple of years to play that, that he's played. I'm sorry, uh, because, you know, again, he's going to great offense, he's got a chance to win a ring. Um, we saw how he played in Pittsburgh when they had a chance to, to win a ring and they, they never had that with the Jets. He just went for the money. So I think we'll see closer to the old Le'Veon uh, in, in Pittsburgh than we did you know, the last couple years in the, in the Jets. Yeah, I think that's a great last point is that that motivation factor, right? Like when you already don't have a good relationship with your coach, as we know, Le'Veon Bell and Adam Gase did not have a good one. And the offense is tough. And you, now you're at your backup uh, quarterbacks in there and you're the laughing stock of the league. I just wonder how much I mean, obviously, guys are giving it, you know, most of their all unless it's A.J. Green on an interception. And he's not tackling someone running ne- right next to him. You know, most of the time these guys are given, you know, a lot of a lot of effort. But I'm just curious if maybe. Like you said, he's more motivated. So uh, we will stay tuned on what happens in that situation. Um, we do think it's worth mentioning that Melvin Gordon uh, was charged with a DUI and speeding 25 to 39 miles per hour over the speed limit, which is not just a ticky-tack one. That's a uh, – I don't know the logistics if it's a felony or whatnot, but that's a that's a, a big boy speeding ticket there. So he will have a court date on November 13th. 
just think it's worth mentioning for your dynasty rosters that uh, normally these things take time for the NFL to come out with their punishment. Um, they wait for the actual legalities to come out, but uh, something to monitor with his stock. All right, let's jump into quarterbacks, Tom. First guy I think we got to talk about is, man, I feel like we had a lot of hype for this guy, Teddy Bridgewater, coming into the offseason, but he still was only at like, I don't know, quarterback 25 in Dynasty. And, and even in redrafts, no one really had him up there as their you know quarterback 15 or 16. He was still down there. Teddy Bridgewater last two weeks, he was quarterback four in week four, and he's quarterback five in week five. What are your what are your thoughts? Because they're obviously throwing a ton. No CEH, they're still getting the ball to the to their running backs, and Mike Davis has been making plays. Are you, you know, what what are you doing with with Teddy Bridgewater? Are you buying into this? Are you kind of holding off for a bit? And where do you have him in Dynasty? So I have him right now at twenty nine. I'll probably wind up moving him up if he continues to play a little bit the way he's been playing. He's gotten some big plays lately. You saw the DJ Moore touchdown. Um, where he's getting more yards after the catch as opposed to deep balls thrown. So looks pretty good so far. He's a game manager, but if his playmakers are actually making plays for him, then then that's where it's, you know, <laughs> that's where it's going to gonna come into mind. But uh, Mike Davis has stepped in seamlessly, so they both have that, you know, they've, they've had that running back and catch the ball, so he's a security blanket. I thought Teddy Bridgewater was just a holdover for the next quarterback. Uh, unless they start winning a lot more games, I think that's still probably true. So that's why I'm not moving him up a ton. Uh, yeah, I, I I like him. I think if you lost Dak, he's a he's a good guy to go after and try to acquire. Uh, but that's about it. So Tom, want to do a little name game here with you? I have Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback 21. You have him as quarterback 29, so a little bit lower than I do. I'm going to give you some names of guys that you have. Teddy below, but I have Teddy above these guys, and I want to see if you have changed your mind at all. Uh, let's start with Teddy Bridgewater or Kirk Cousins. I will go Cousins. Okay. Teddy Bridgewater or Drew Brees? Close, but I'll still go Brees. Okay. Yeah, we haven't seen Brees without, or we haven't seen Brees with Michael Thomas yet, so I think right. maybe that changes a little bit. And then Teddy or Jimmy G? I'll go Teddy there. So still kind of relatively where you had him in the off season. And I've, I've moved him up, I think like three or four spots. I popped him up basically above those guys. Yeah. I have, I still have Derek Carr, Gardner, Brady, Ben above them. So it's, it's those older quarterbacks that are producing and everything mainly because again, like I said, I feel like Teddy's somewhat of a placeholder. So if you're looking at a one to two year window, I still like those vets over them. Absolutely. Tom, let's jump to our first of two mystery name games. Can we get some up? game show? Can we get some game show music for this? Uh, I will talk to our producers. I will have them uh, upload the uh, game show music here in a bit. First guy, Ken. This guy, had, he's first in completion percentage with 73.1% of his passes completed. He is tied for fourth in adjusted yards per attempt. He is tied for sixth in passing TDs with 11. This is for the 2020 season through five weeks. He is seventh in passing yards with 1,442. And he is QB. I've, he is QB question mark after five fantasy weeks because I did not update this because <laughs> I wanted to wait for the Tuesday night game. Um, so while you're thinking of that, I will find out where he's at in, right. uh, in fantasy right now. Give me, give, me, give me your thought process. Okay. Give me the uh, yardage again. 
His yardage was 1,442. He is tied for 7th. I don't know why I want to see Gardner Minshew. <laughs> it's probably wrong. Uh, but I Gardner like is Gardner. not correct. Um, let me give you his. This guy is ranked 13th currently on the year, right behind Gardner, who's uh, 12th for QBs through five weeks. Any other guesses, Tom? I feel like it's in that tier that I just mentioned. I, I would say so, yes. 73, he completes a lot of his passes. So I th- hopefully that's a, a really good that's clue. That's Derek Carr. That's Derek Carr, exactly. Yeah, it is. Yeah, so I think the tied for fourth and adjusted yards per attempt is, is kind of interesting because we always think of him as checked on Charlie. Uh, but I think with Ruggs, obviously, he's he's pushed the ball down the field a little bit more uh, this season. Uh, and we've seen a, a couple of deep shots with Nelson Aguilar as well, so not just Ruggs. That, that's that, kind of crazy for me, honestly. Tell me what your thoughts are just after hearing that. No, that's what threw me off with with uh, why I said Gardner first because he likes to push it a little bit down the field with the uh, and Cole and whoever the hell else is out there. But yeah, no, Derek Carr has been a very good quarterback thus far. Uh, all the talk about Marcus Mariota <laughs> coming in and taking his job have been greatly overstated. He's playing for his you know his future with the Raiders, and the future with the Raiders looks to be pretty bright out there with all the weapons that they keep acquiring. So. He's got probably the best weapons he's had since he's been in the league. They're all young, but they're working together, and they're winning games. Look, they just went out and beat the Chiefs, and they outscored the Chiefs. It's not like it was a, a low-scoring game and KC was just off the entire game. What was that final of that 40-32, to 32, I think? I think they put up 40. Yeah, 40-32, <laughs> yep. yep. So, they kind of flipped the uh, spread on that game. I think Chiefs were, were minus eight, and they, they, put, uh, their, they flipped the script on them. Yeah, so, I mean, Derek Carr's actually been really good so far. Yeah, I'm pulling up his contracts. I think that's that's something that people always look at with quarterbacks. You know, Derek Carr doesn't seem this old. I mean, he's about to be 30 next year. So, I mean, he he's not getting up there, but he's not. He's Once you kind of cross that 30, people start kind of looking at you uh, from a dynasty perspective a little bit differently. But I think he's definitely proven that he's the guy. And now that they've put weapons around him, he's not playing with, you know, Tyrell Williams and, you know, Zay Jones. Uh, RIP to all my Zay Jones shares that I invested in multiple <laughs> years ago. But, you know, he, now he's got weapons. I think I think he's playing really well. And so I think that's just something to note because you, you just don't think of Derek Carr as, as someone who's, you know, playing at a QB1, just outside of QB1 level. So, okay, Tom, let's move to the running back room. We have a guy that's kind of been overshadowed. There's, I think there's two guys that have just jumped in and taking the world by storm where we didn't think that they were going to be even in consideration for a starting running back job in the off season. One James Robinson, everybody's talking about on Twitter. You can't go three scrolls without finding a James Robinson tweet. And the other, you know, has not shown to the James Robinson level at all. I'm not saying that, but no one expected miles Gaskin to unseat Jordan Howard, make him an inactive running back on game day. And then Matt Breida has a complete, you know, secondary thought to the Miles Gaskin show. And, you know, he he's running back 47 in Dynasty. And the only reason why I want to bring him up is because I just think that's extremely low for somebody who's producing well. Um, you know, he's not a, a top 15 running back right now, but he's just outside of the top 24. And so I think he's worth uh, mentioning. And, and do you see this continuing, or is he just a jag that's a placeholder? Is he going to be replaced here either this season or next season? I think he's going to wind up being a placeholder because I think Miami's going to continue to revamp that offense and draft a running back fairly early next year. I think they still have a you know shit ton of draft picks again next year, so they can blow one on a running back and 
and go on from there. But he's looked a lot better. And don't talk bad about a or J Rob because he's won me some money this year. Okay, buddy. Uh, we we don't slander J Rob on this show. There is no uh, James Robinson slander here. I am not putting the Hall of Fame jacket on him as as some others have done. But no, he's obviously played really well. So that's a guy that we've we've definitely gone over before. He's someone in Dynasty. I'm probably selling just like Miles Gaskin because I do not think either one is probably long for the job. I think they'll both probably bring somebody in either via free agency or the draft here in 2021 because we see this a lot with guys who don't have good draft capital. You know, we've, we've seen it with uh, Philip Lindsay this year, I think is a great example. Philip Lindsay has back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons. He's a top 24 back, almost a running back one. I think he was running back 13 in his rookie season. Boom, Melvin Gordon comes in, and that, that value is just sapped. So – I think that's just something that we have to build in a little bit. I don't, I don't think he's going to be a bum going forward. I just think maybe temper expectations. He's probably not going to be the running back six uh, going forward. Oh, completely agree. But you know what? In the meantime, I'm going to enjoy him winning me some some props. Absolutely. So second mystery player game for you. Yes. This one I'm pumped up about because this this these stats just blow my mind with what he has done and is doing and then where he's at in Dynasty. I hope I hope that doesn't give it away. But we are looking at a top 15 running back over the past three seasons. So in so far through five weeks, he's been the running back six in points per game. In 2019, he was the running back 12 in points per game. Chris Carson. <laughs> That wasn't fun, Tom. You didn't, even, you didn't even let me finish stat number three. That's great. He was running back 15 in points per game in 2018. This man has 24 total touchdowns dating back to 2018. He's averaging 4.6 yards per carry. He's top 10 in broken tackles and yards after contact. He just turned 26 in September. And take a guess where you think his running back ADP is in Dynasty. His running back ADP is probably it's between 14 and 18, probably. Yeah. You ready for this? Yeah. Running back 27. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Running back 27. Tom, do you know where you and I have him? Where? Running back 18 and 19. There we go. So, uh, I mean, I just I don't get it. Are we? Why does Chris Carson not get any? Is it because of what we were just talking about with that draft capital and you know, they bring in Rashad Penny, they bring in Carlos Hyde, you know, we just can't ever fully trust him. But then he goes out and he just scores every, every second or every two out of three games, he's scoring a touchdown and his yardage is great. And he's catching passes, right? He started catching passes a lot last year. That's like, the what's big, not like, a, he just turned 26, right? It's So the big thing with Chris Carson is why I didn't like him is if you're playing a standard league, it's like, okay, great. And then, He's got over 20 pass or 20 receptions through five games, and you're like, oh, geez. And then last year he has the injury. You're like, okay, good. Chris Carson's dead. And then he comes back. <laughs> he's looking fantastic again, and he's actually catching the ball, and he's more involved in the offense. He won't die, and he's going to be one of those guys who is just underrated. Frank Gore was underrated his entire career. Um, I think he he may want not. He's not going to play till he's 86 like Frank Gore, but – he just had one of those careers where he never got the respect that he should have gotten because everybody looked at him as he's just a north-south runner. He's a pounder. But Chris Carson's more than that. Frank Gore was more than that. 
catching the ball, looking really good. He runs angry, and he's big, and he's just nasty. And that offense opening it up and throwing the ball only does better things for him. Yeah, exactly. And I think you said it exactly right. The the way he plays is maybe why he won't play quite as long as Frank Gore or else he'll look like Frank Gore uh, here in a couple of years. But he also is a ninja. I don't know if you remember the play that he had last year where he gets flipped upside down and he <laughs> lands on his feet and he keeps running. But Chris Carson's also a ninja, so add that to the resume. Uh, I mean, if you're a ninja, I'm drafting him higher than 19 if he's an actual ninja. So that's that's for sure. So I guess the, the reason I wanted to point him out is I think if you're competing, maybe even if you're not competing, the one knock on him is that it is a contract year for him. So what happens? Do the Seahawks spend big money on him? Do they hopefully – what we want is, it for, is for them to resign him, but do they maybe move on from him or shot Penny's back healthy? They draft somebody. Who knows? Maybe – uh, DJ Dallas, Travis Homer, those guys get more run. That is maybe a little bit of, uh, you know, pump the brakes there, but I still think running back 27 with what he's done is just insanely low. So I think Chris Carson goes nowhere. A couple of reasons. The running back market, it's not good. I mean, you saw some of the higher end guys get really big deals this year, but at the same time, there's not a lot of openings for running backs and you still have rookie running backs coming in. So Seattle will wind up offering him between like six and $8 million and he'll wind up taking it and he'll stay there and have a good productive career. And I, I don't see, I don't think he's going anywhere. He's perfect for that offense. If he gets six to 8 million, we're going to continue to underrate, underrate him. I guarantee Absolutely. it. Like, because the, the world underrates him and Seattle's going to come in and be like, all right, you're only worth, you know, seven million, six million. And he's going to be like, I'm worth eight. And they're like, so stupid yep. all right yep let's let's move on to wide receivers we've had kind of a consensus top five um through adp this this off season and, and kind of the first couple weeks but these these last couple weeks as, as these younger guys have been starting to show there's a lot of questions on are we switching up are we starting to believe in these younger guys that they've now stepped into the realm of the michael thomas deandre hopkins Devonte adams tyree kill the chris godwin is five are there other guys kind of jumping into to that realm? The top five currently on ADP, and actually now that I say that, uh, if you look at October's DLF wide receiver ADP, we have Michael Thomas, DeAndre Hopkins, Devontae Adams, Tyree Kill, and then DK Metcalf comes in at wide receiver five. So, Tom, if we're talking about wider, top five wide receivers that you see at the end of the season, it looks like we already have a new name in there, maybe because Chris Godwin has only played two of five weeks what other guys? I mean, Julio might have been up there, but maybe not dynasty wise. Maybe just redraft. But give me some other guys that you think might be in that top five consideration at the end of the year. So I think Thomas is going to wind up staying. I think Adams could get bumped out with the injury stuff going on if if he starts barking. I'm not sure. Nuck is basically or Nuke Nuck, whatever you want to call him. He's in there. He's him and Kyler. It's beautiful. I love what they're doing. It's it's perfect. They're making babies out there. They're called touchdowns. Uh, Tyreek. I love Tyreek. You know, I'm the biggest Tyreek fan in the world, but guess what? He's not hitting that 75-yarder, so he's losing some of his shine, even though he's still, I believe, the wide receiver five right now because he's producing consistent uh, you know, statistics every single week. He's getting receptions. He's getting touchdowns. He's really good in the red zone. They use him all over the place, uh, but because he's not hitting those big plays, he might drop out, so that leaves, you know, two or three spots possibly 
things that could turn over. So I think Michael Thomas, uh, Adams, maybe, I'm not sure, Nuck, Tyreek, but I think DK and Ridley are going to be in there at the end of the year. So that leaves, uh, I don't know who's going to get bumped out. It might be Tyreek. Yeah, I think when you talk about who can start to offset and push out some of these older guys, because it, when I say older, they're not old yet, but we're talking 28 years old for Michael Thomas in March. DeAndre Hopkins will be 29 in June, so he's got a while before he turns 29, but he's 28. Uh, Devontae Adams will be 28 in December. Tyreek, a little bit younger there. He'll be 27 in March. And then DK is kind of jumping into that over over Godwin. So that's kind of the, the four big ones. Maybe let's just call it the big four, right? And then we have all these younger guys. So DK Metcalf is, is going to be 23 in December. Chris Godwin, 25 in February. CD Lamb is starting to jump in that conversation. He's obviously the youngest of the bunch. AJ Brown is a name that I'll throw out to you because he obviously has been hurt and he comes back this week and, and just looks like the old AJ Brown from the last eight weeks of 2019 season. And Calvin Ridley, who I knew you would have on this list, I absolutely knew you would have him in there. And he's kind of the old guy. He's the old guy of this younger group because he was such an old rookie. He's going to be 26 in December in his own right. So he's only kind of on Tyreek's heels there. Um, of, of all those guys I named, I can definitely see Chris Godwin jumping back in there. I think Brady will will pepper him with targets. Obviously, Mike Evans has been that touchdown. Uh, that's, touchdowns have saved him because his yardage hasn't been very high. But I, th- I see Chris Godwin, you know, still being young, maybe that ascending wide receiver um, within a Tom Brady offense. And then A.J. Brown, man, this is a guy I, I will always regret it. I saw his landing spot to the Titans and moved him down from wide receiver three in my rookie rankings to just down, you know, to wide receiver five or six. I, I I hate that I did it. I just should have believed in talent over situation and landing spot, but AJ Brown is a guy that I really believe in his talent. And so I think he could definitely uh, be up there. So if you want to ask who gets bumped out, man, I think once these guys start to get really close to 30, you know, Hopkins is absolutely balling. And I think he continues to ball, but if Drew Brees retires, People are going to get scared on Michael Thomas, man. They're going to get absolutely scared, and I think he'll you'll see him drop a little bit. So I'll probably just bump in uh, Godwin, maybe A.J. Brown, and bump out maybe Michael Thomas, maybe Tyreek Hill. So you think Michael Thomas can go from one to out of the top five because he is well, the wide receiver one, and he has been for over a year. So if we did let, – let's see. If we did – we're halfway through October when the November rankings come out – if Michael Thomas just doesn't have like a 14 reception, you know, 150 yard, two touchdown game, I don't think he'll be wide receiver one anymore. You think that's going to be Hop? Yeah, right. it's going to be Hopkins. Um, Adams right, so, has been hurt, so it'll take so a while. But... Give me the order of your top five by the end of the season, and I know I'm putting you on the spot here. Oh man, yeah, it, it's it's tough because it's it's believing what you've seen for five weeks versus off season narrative, and then just you have to add age into that. So. I mean, I, I was of the mindset that Hopkins would be a little bit worse than he was uh, in Houston because because of all the targets. I didn't think he was going to hit that same 160 target range, but he's obviously shown that that's not an issue. And so before it wasn't an issue, and he was a top three wide receiver for me, so I'll keep Hop up there, probably number one. Although Devontae Adams, number two. Man, if DK keeps playing the way he's been playing, he'll probably be wide receiver three for me. Godwin. God, Godwin, I have to, I have to see it yet. So maybe we'll hold off on him. I'll probably slide in Michael Thomas there, and then Godwin with AJ Brown just on the outside. But that's just right now. I mean, we we haven't seen Chris Godwin healthy, you know, for right. more than a week. So 
healthy Chris Godwin, I'm absolutely putting in there over these other guys because I think he has the same upside that these other top four wide receivers give you. Right. So right now, so if I was predicting, I'd say Hopkins, Michael Thomas, DK Metcalf, Tyreek, and then and then Calvin Ridley. But again, uh, Devontae Adams being six or Godwin being seven, it's it's the sweet spot of any draft with those wide receivers in the back end of this, the second down to the mid-second. It's a matter of personal preference. Yeah, Tom, then, then kind of going along that same conversation, I think a guy that I have to bring up, and I should be the one to bring him up because I said he was going to be a bust for 2020, is Stefan Diggs. And, man, he's absolutely making me eat crow. He is wide receiver five on the season. Even last uh, this Tuesday, you know, he didn't get in the end zone. Had like three drops, honestly. Didn't look great. Still had 16 targets, 10 receptions, I think 110 yards. So even in like a down game, quote unquote down game, uh, Stefan Diggs absolutely balled. He's wide receiver 19 uh, for October ADP in uh, DLF. Where where do you think he's moving? Because he's got to be moving up. You know, the Bills are not the offense that most of us thought they were going to be, you know, ground and pound. Josh Allen's airing it out, and he is getting targeted left, right, and center. So where do you have Stephon Diggs moving? So, again, here's a, another guy who's, who's currently 26 years old, so he's still in the prime of his career. He's younger than I think a lot of people uh, think just because he was in the league on a different team. And when you get traded from a team, you're like, oh, he got old because he got traded to another team and signed a contract. So <laughs> I think he's going to be in the top 12 because I think they're going to keep airing it out and – that wide receiver position in dynasty is volatile. So it's what have you done for me lately? And he's doing a lot for a lot of owners right now. And the big thing with him is targets and opportunity. We did not think he was going to get the targets and opportunity and the volume to actually produce because he's always produced. Uh, He just never had a ton of volume. So now that he's getting that much volume and he's, you know, he's producing exactly how, you know, his athletic profile says he should. Uh, which he never got the opportunity in Minnesota. We didn't think he was going to get it in Buffalo. So I think he'll be in the top 12. Yeah, so we're still going through and, and combing our rankings after one-third of the season, and someone that I definitely need to move is Stefan Diggs. Tom, are you going to move him over Juju? Because I think when we talk about disappointments in the wide receiver, uh, top you know top 15 guys, top 20 guys, Juju has to be – he's that guy for me. He's someone I have in a couple of spots, a couple of rosters, and I'm just so – I'm stuck right now because he's only 23 and, you know, we've seen him absolutely ball out before and we still, you know, he's still been okay this year, but the yardage has just been terrible. It's the touchdowns that have saved him. Um, he hasn't cracked over 69 yards. Nice. Uh, at any point, you know, that's, his, that's his high on the season. I believe that was week one, honestly. So the last two weeks he's had five targets apiece. So, He's still up there in snaps and routes run for, for Big Ben. You know, Deontay's had some some injuries here and there, but he's still, you know, Clay Chapel is the next guy, you know, after Deontay. So he's going to be uh, 24 years old soon, but that's the, we're talking like he's super young. He's like basically, you know, an older rookie. You know, I think Calvin really came in at 24 years old. So how do you feel maybe Stefan Diggs versus Juju right now? So I'm going to take Diggs right now. I got to move him. Move him above him. Um, the thing that you're hoping for with Juju is, okay, he gets traded because they don't re-sign him because they love Deontay and he goes to a perfect spot, like exactly like, oh, wow, Stefan Diggs did. Again, you have a player who's only 23, who's got a ton of talent, but he just to, – to put it into perspective, Vegas now sees him. His over-unders have been like 56 and a half, 61 – and it's Juju. And you're like, he should get that in his damn sleep. 
and he's not. It's it scares the shit out of me. To tell you the truth, I don't know what's going on over there. And the, Claypool just absolutely destroying the Eagles, and he was Slay was covering him, which is why I thought Juju would would do really well because I thought Slay would cover Deontay or somebody on the outside, and Juju would just destroy the Eagles slot receivers. And he wasn't even close. He, he didn't get any volume at all. So it, it was mind-blowing. I think he had like one catch that was brought back for 14 yards that could have padded his numbers a little bit, but he, he just hasn't looked that impressive so far. Yeah, talk about my bad dynasty trades in 2020. Man, it was after week one. I think Hayden Hurst was a little bit quiet, but I was still like, you know, I'm on the Hayden Hurst in Atlanta train. I trade and I needed a tight end because Blake Jarwin had just gone down for the year, right? So I traded away Chase Claypool and got back Hayden Hurst. And I was like, yes, okay. You know, Chase Claypool, I love the talent. Like, I not to go be like I was talking about him before everybody else, but like I remember in a couple of chats, I was saying, guys, I'm watching this uh, Cole Komet tape right now for tight end. And this other big tight end keeps on popping on this tape. And I don't know who he is. He's like a, he's like a, a small tight end, but a big wide receiver. I don't, I don't know who he is. And so, and all of a sudden I find out this Chase Claypool and I start digging into him and I'm, I'm putting in a chat guys, Chase Claypool guy, he's kind of rocking it. Like he moves like John, uh, like Evan Ingram does maybe going to be a move tight end here and, and just absolutely ball out at the tight end position. Well, he decides to be a wide receiver at the NFL and, Oh, it doesn't matter. He has four, what four, four speed anyways. And so I just kind of uh, went on a little rant there about Chase Claypool and how I trade four, away one of my yeah, four touchdowns against the Eagles. That was fun to watch. Uh, oh, so yeah, it, one of something that's actually funny. I, I run a best ball league and uh, the team I was playing last week traded away chase Claypool and a second for Darrell Henderson at like nine 30 in the morning on Sunday. <laughs> that was like a panic trade. I feel like, like, Oh, I need a running back. Uh, oh man. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> it's funny. Cause it, it's actually your boy who hates Keenan Allen. Yeah. I don't know. Anybody who hates Keenan Allen can just get off my Twitter feed, <laughs> back away. Blocked. Yep. Once a year. I, I actually don't really use the block, honestly. I've only used it for like those fake accounts that are no, always... No, no. <laughs> they block you whenever you yeah. remind them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I've but been yeah. blocked. I know. Because you. I, I try and block you. You just keep on creating keep new on names and sliding back in. It's fantastic. Yep. Get a new account. Get the egg. Hey, you're consistent, though. Uh, Tom, let's finish out the wide receivers by talking about a wide receiver that's outside the top 20 in Dynasty that you think at the end of the season has a chance to just vault into that that top 20 and maybe even you know talk about top 10, maybe top 12. Who out of these guys, uh, as you as you look at the DLF ADP in front of you, who can jump into that category that's currently going outside the top 20 wide receivers? So it's it's funny because that out, right outside the top 20, there's there's one guy that I, I know that you probably identified as well, just because of the age, the opportunity, the athletic profile, how they've done so far, it's Justin Jefferson. He's a, he's a 22. I mean, you have Cooper yeah. Cup, who's a 21. But again, he's Cooper Cup, I think, is 86 years old now because he, he was drafted at 79. Tyler Lockett, he's getting up there. It, it's that group of productive, older veteran receivers that – they've already reached their cap as far as ADP. So Justin Jefferson, if he keeps playing the way that he's playing, he gets volume, keeps producing. He's the guy that can actually jump up into that top 12. Yeah, dude, you hit the, the exact same guy that I had 
And I think it's just because he just stands out so much differently than the rest of this group because of a couple of reasons. One, we, we talked about his age. He's, he's 22 or excuse me, he's wide receiver 22, but his age, uh, super young. I think he's still 21. But then his his counterpart on the other side is Adam Thielen, who's going to be 31 here next season. And I think that is a big thing as Adam Thielen starts to maybe pass over uh, from an alpha wide receiver to a beta wide receiver and JJ can continue to rise. I think that's in his favor. And this offense doesn't throw a ton, but with their defense being so bad, we saw Kirk Cousins throw 39 times uh, season high for him, probably a career high since coming over to the Vikings. I think they're going to have to throw, and that just uh, continues to add to why you combine to Justin Jefferson. Obviously, great tape out of LSU. You know, can catch anything in his vicinity. You know, so I think that is easily a guy that I can see jumping into that uh, inside the top 20, maybe even inside the top 15. If he continues to have games like he did in Week Three and Week Four, I will give a small shout out to T. Higgins. He's a guy that I was very high on in the draft process. He didn't, you know, perform at the combine. I think a lot of people knocked him for that. But AJ Green looks like he has one foot out the door. Honestly, like hamstring. I don't know if it's, you know, real or not. Like he's always hurt right now, and and so I feel like he's going to be. He he honestly could be released or traded. Time like I I do not. I would not be shocked if he's gone here in the next couple of weeks. But that offense passes enough where I think Joe Burrow can support both Tyler Boyd and T Higgins. They're just so different of wide receivers, you know, in their skill set and what they do well. So I don't think they'll cannibalize each other on a weekly basis, on most weeks anyways. So that's a guy that, it's, if you want to say a dark horse kind of guy, if he continues to, to have some of these weeks, he's not quite blowing up to the level of Justin Jefferson, but I think he is, is flashing a lot earlier than I expected when you looked at that depth chart uh, going into the season. Yeah, and I think there's a, a couple other rookies out there that if they you know blow up a little bit down the stretch, they have the capability – you already saw Henry Ruggs last week played awesome. So if he winds up having more big plays and, you know, just playing the way that he did and Derek Carr actually continues to to throw the ball well, then then he could move up. Chenault is another one who is they're – they're using him. And I can't even say a, a bad thing about how they're using him. I thought this was going to be the big problem in Jacksonville with him if he had any problems was they're just going to use him like Cordell or Patterson and, and just underutilize him. So – him, Jalen Rager's coming back eventually. Who knows what's going to wind up happening with the Eagles. And then you have, uh, you know, Ayuk. I don't think he's going to wind up doing it. But, I mean, another one's DJ Shark. He's still young enough to make that make that leap. Hollywood Brown, how, they're not. Hold on. Go ahead. I don't know how you always do this. What? You always say Shark. You I always love say it. Shark. I say and Shark you know what else purpose. you did? You said what? Brandon Ayuk's name wrong. You said Ayuk. Oh, Ayuk. Ayuk. It's Is that like someone who doesn't like him? Like, uh, yuck. Uh, yuck. Uh, well, he, he, I yucked the Eagles when he jumped over us. So that's, that's how I say that. But you mispronouncing, uh, people's names yeah. is very endearing to me. And I want to make that a bit on this show. <laughs> Can we just play like a, a recap of all the guys' names that I, uh, mispronounce? Uh, and then there's Daybo Samuel. <laughs> You know what's funny is you did the same thing, I think, two weeks ago or something like that. We had caught two in a row. You were saying shark, and then you just yeah. went through it, did the whole Whatever. the whole gamut. I don't even care. I, I enjoy it. Those, those are my guys that, that we're going to roll with. Yeah, and I think we have to finish up with tight ends. Like tight end, we thought it was going to be amazing this year, and then just injuries and things have not – come to fruition with that tight end group, especially with Ertz not living up to potential. You know, Chris Herndon sleeper is gone. Blake Jarwin sleeper is gone. 
But the one guy I think we can absolutely talk about is Johnny freaking Smith, man. Like, dude, this guy is a monster. And he, he he looks so dang fast when he gets the ball. I don't know if you notice this when you watch him, but I honestly think he's like a wide receiver when he gets the football. He's just a big human running so fast when he gets the ball. I'm like, dude, he's going to pick up an extra six yards. And, and even though there's three guys right in front of him, he's going to boil through him. And, and kind of like Zeke, you know, when Zeke gets hit, he's getting hit forward for night. He'll fall forward for two or three extra yards. That's what I see with Johnny Smith. So what are your thoughts? So it's, it's funny because, you know, I'm obviously an Eagles fan and, the tight end position, we went over it last week with CJ, how disappointed I am with Ertz and how he looks just like he's ancient. And then Janu gets the ball on, you know, Tuesday night football. It was Monday or Tuesday. They play Tuesday? Tuesday. Tuesday, Tuesday night yeah. football or whatever. And it's just like, Jesus, he's got a rocket up his ass. What is this dude? He looks like a wide receiver, exactly like you said. But it's fun. Kyle Yates sent out a stat uh, or a tweet with some stats. So I'm going to give you Mark Andrews statistics, 29 targets. Well, I'm going to give you both. Janu and Andrews. Andrews will be first. Andrews, 29. Janu, 27 targets. Receptions. Andrews, 18. Janu, 18. Receiving yards. Andrews, 222. Janu, 221. <laughs> yards per reception, 12.3, 12.3. Touchdowns, 5 and 5. It's actually pretty crazy. So we've been going over the, hey, who can be the top five or the, the fifth tight end to kind of creep in there? It looks like we may have found our guy. Uh, Tom, you know what's crazy about that stat is I think John has done that in four games and Mark Andrews has done that in five. Am I correct Ooh. in that? Uh, I think you are. John missed last week, well, two weeks two ago. Two weeks now, ago, yeah. Because the Titans missed. Uh, obviously, they had that, that yeah. outbreak. And Mark Andrews has played every single week. The Ravens had not had their bye. So <laughs> on yeah, top of all those stats, yeah. it's, it's in one less game. And the, the big problem with Andrew so far has been the volume of the passing game. And go figure, the Titans are the one throwing it as right. opposed to, to Mark Andrews. So that's actually pretty crazy. I didn't even take that into account there. So, uh, yeah, that statistic is even more bonkers. Yeah, I think he, here's here's my thoughts with Johnny. He's vaulted already into my top six. I'm about ready to make him top five if he continues this pace. I will put him over Waller just because of age difference there. But I think one guy that we need to have a conversation about, he was a little banged up here. Uh, they missed last week because their game got canceled. But Noah Fant and the Broncos, those are two guys where Fant has three years uh, of age on Janu. But I think they're both guys that I'm very excited about. And I probably will have them neck and neck until I see maybe one really separate. If, we, if you're doing a startup right now and they're both on the clock, which one are you taking first? That's tough. I trade the pick and take the one who doesn't get taken. I would probably wind up taking Fan, But it's it's crazy how the, the league has shifted to these faster move tight ends as opposed to your traditional Hawkinson uh, you know, tight end there. So, I mean, even Gusecki. Gusecki's – you saw what he did. He, did. he had another good game last week, so – uh, it's those athletic guys that they can split out. They're more split ends and tight ends. That's what they are. They're just in the slot. So, yeah, that's it's going to be interesting to see what the tight end position, what happens with the tight end position in the next two years because you have a lot of players that are just trying to, you know, burst through the ceiling there for a little bit, and a lot of them are close. Yeah, I, I think I'm starting to change my my thought process on drafting tight ends. I think tight end is maybe a position you avoid in your rookie drafts, 
but you trade for him after you know two years because I think we've we've started to see that you and I were were like you I'll say you were hyping up Mike Gusecki this offseason as someone you need to go out and acquire and he's produced really well it's year three for him you know obviously way different and, and he's been out for the year but Blake Jarwin was the guy that I saw the same thing you know it was year year four for him actually but you know being a lower draft guy didn't quite get the playing time and I think and this narrative isn't isn't new. I'm not not spitting out any new knowledge here, but tight ends take a little bit of time to develop. We don't see them pop off right away. We saw that with Kittle. Um, you know, Kelsey took a year. So I think I think that's maybe my strategy going forward is maybe take Janu right now and give Fant one more year. Because I think, especially when we're talking about Drew Locke trying to develop and Jerry Judy's getting into the mix and you know, Hamler's there, and this guy named Tim Patrick keep make, keeps making plays. You know, maybe it's it's fan. You know, he, he kind of breaks out a little bit like Gasecki did last year once Preston Williams went down for the year, but he's not quite there. And then you can trade for him and not sell the farm. You can you can give up a. You're probably gonna have to give up a decent asset, but then your returns. Like if you traded for Johnny Smith this offseason and traded like a second for him, I mean that's absolutely worth it right now. I mean he's just absolutely balling out. Um, you know, he's tight end one on a per game basis. Like we said, he's only played four. Everyone else has played five. He's tight end one if you look at a, a per game basis. So. I think that's my new strategy with tight end. No, if if I draft a tight end, you know, I'm I'm basically putting him on a black hole in my you know on my roster for the first two years. If I don't see any glimpses, then maybe I move on. But for the most part, you have to be really patient with with rookie tight ends. I don't really trade for a lot of them because I try and draft them. The best time to to draft a rookie tight end is when you have a top four to five tight end, and you just keep churning them out. That's it. Then you can afford to actually have him sit on your roster. Because if you have Kittle and then you drafted Gasecki, you know, well, there that's a bad example. If you have Kelsey and you drafted Gasecki, then look, you know, you're going to be looking at a good trade chip in, in a year or so when you're a contender and you can train Gasecki to somebody and get another position in need. No, I completely agree. So, Tom, I think we've said it all, covered basically all the positions, a lot of the big movers uh, through this first third of the NFL season. Personally, I'm looking forward to week six because I need to look at, you know, what the Cowboys offense looks like now with, with the red rifle at the helm. So that's probably what I'm looking forward to in week six. Um, guys, make sure you're following us. Uh, website, thefantasyauthority.com. Make sure you're checking out our website. We're at FF underscore authority on Twitter. Tom's got his daily props coming out on Saturday. Is that correct? Yeah, Saturdays or Friday night. Okay, and uh, I will he, send. I'll send some stuff out on Sunday morning as well, uh, because lines always change. Yeah, Tom's absolutely been on fire with those. So make sure you check out his props for sure. Uh, he is at Dynasty Infidel. I'm at NFL Robbie. And guys, we will see you next time. Later.